Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, head of communications at Stiefel, joined as always by Brian Gardner, our chief Washington policy strategist. Hey, Brian. Neil, good morning. It's good to be back with you. I was going to say, it's good to talk to you. I know you've been on the road, so welcome back to your home base. Good to be back. Back in the swamp. Back in the swamp, exactly. Um, inching closer towards the end of baseball season. I can't believe it. In, 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 the- in, inching closer to 61 home runs, Neil. We, you know, it's hard to believe we started the podcast, I believe, like the week before opening day. So essentially, the podcast has now been as long as the baseball season, but we haven't had 162 episodes, not yet. Not yet. Um, so no, uh, definitely getting ready for um, uh, for the play- baseball playoffs. Uh, very excited. And, uh, you know, and football is underway. And uh, I think you and I are probably um, modestly pleased so far. Yeah, so far. We'll see. I do think, though, we should think about um, I don't know if the budget will get approved, but we should, if it's a Mets-Yankees World Series, which it's possible, but if it is, I think we should take the podcast to either City Field or Yankee Stadium and do an episode of Potomac Perspective from, from the field. You know, Neil, who am I to disagree with brilliant thinking like that? Um, no, I, I think it's a great idea, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get that approved in short order. Yeah, um, you know, since I did mention football, we should we should bring people up to speed that um, you are a, a Jets fan and I'm a Giants yeah. fan. I, I like the Jets, but I I'm I'm, I'm a diehard Giants fan. So uh, we're both um, pretty happy you with your one on one start and a yep. fantastic comeback on Sunday, and yep. uh, and me uh, very surprised at uh, a two and zero start for the Giants. Just actually stunned um yeah it's stunned in a good way i'm usually stunned the other way yeah i'll say about football i am a jets fan and the you know i'm also a big fantasy football player and i will tell you that because the jets have been so unwatchable for so many years i've gotten used to basically tuning the jets out and just concentrating on my fantasy folks but the jets well i mean we'll see one game does not a season make but there seems to be a little life to this team so absolutely you're not complaining um, okay, so let's let's get down to business um, now that the sports portion of the podcast is over. Um, and you know, Brian, I was thinking when we were getting ready to record this, I was thinking that a lot of journalists have always said to me, um, they know that when they get the hate mail from both Democrats and Republicans, they're doing a good job. And I know we were going to talk about Senator Manchin, and that kind of came to my head because this guy is in the middle of a lot of activity in Washington and, and you know, both the Democrats and he's not making a, a ton of friends from either party. Now, I know um, we got the uh, text of his um, permitting reform legislation. We finally got the actual text of it yesterday. You've been skeptical that this will pass. And I know this was part of a bigger sort of compromise that he reached to support the, the Democrats' broader agenda. But now that we know what's in this permitting reform, um, what do you think? Does it pass? And uh, you've been skeptical. How, you know, what's your reaction? Yeah, so I'm probably more skeptical than I was before, before the text actually came out. Um, uh, so you've got this deal that was struck between Manchin, Senator Manchin and, and Senate Majority Leader Schumer, and it's going to be inserted. This permitting, uh, energy permitting reform legislation is going to be inserted into the continuing resolution. That's the bill that's going to fund the government 
until mid-December. Um, but there are signs that several Democrats, Senate Democrats, are going to vote against it. Um, Bernie Sanders is a likely no. I think there'll probably be other progressives who oppose it. Um, yesterday, Senator uh, Tim Kaine uh, from Virginia, he's a centrist. He's not a progressive. He announced that he would oppose it. Um, um, and he, uh, why did he oppose it? Because the, uh, the mansion bill um, would streamline uh, the process in general, but also specifically for one project um, called the Mountain Valley Pipeline, um, which uh, originates in West Virginia. Um, and it, it has specific carve outs uh, and specific processes for that pipeline. Um, but that pipeline also goes through Virginia, which is Senator Kane's home state. He felt like he wasn't consulted. He's not on board. Mm -hmm. um, you start to lose Sanders and then you add in Senator Kane and a couple other Democrats. Then you have to rely on Republicans to pass the bill. And uh, that number is going up, um, the, the number of Republicans needed. So, uh, you know, Republicans just are not in any mood to help Senator Manchin after they feel he pulled a fast one on them with the, the way that the IRA and the CHIPS Act all came together back in late July, early, um, early August. So I'll never say never, um, but I think the odds of the Manchin bill um, and the streamlining of the energy process passing are, are quite low. And just, you know, I, I don't mean to bore people with kind of process. So what will happen is um, they'll, they'll bring up this CR, the continuing resolution with the Manchin bill, it will get blocked. Then Senator Schumer will have to go back and kind of rewrite it without the mansion language. And that, that that's probably how it's going to play out. Well, you know, Brian, um, so energy, obviously, always a big issue on Capitol Hill. But another popular topic is always a little closer to home in terms of for our industry, Wall Street, the banking industry. Um, we saw some of the big bank CEOs were up on Capitol Hill this week. Um, I think this is the day that Senator Warren just gets, she just gets all excited about and gets all ready for, but um, anything noteworthy happened? I mean, this is not the first time they've been, they've been sort of dragged up to testify before Congress, but anything noteworthy this time? So the, the, the short answer is no, and that's a good thing. Um, so as you noted, uh, the CEOs of the largest banks um, have been testifying this week. Um, yesterday, they were up in front of the House Financial Services Committee. And as you and I are sp uh, speaking, they're testifying before uh, the Senate Banking Committee. So far, there's nothing new or surprising or market moving. As you noted, that, that could change a little bit today. Um, uh, probably just after we conclude, um, Senator Warren's gonna have her shot at asking questions. Um, but so far the hearings are a non-event. That, that, like I said, that's good for the industry. So was that, let me ask you, Brian, let me just, let me just stop you for one second. I mean, as far as I can remember, this happens every year. Yes. So was this, has this always happened? Like, why is this even a thing? No, it, um, it's, it's picked up post financial crisis after the financial okay. crisis and, um, uh, the, um, the TARP, um, and the, uh, the capital injections for the banks, um, it became a thing, um, a bailout right. for the banks. And so the, the biggest banks, uh, and the crisis were brought further into focus. So this, the, it, you're right, it has become an annual thing. Yeah. Um, but the reason why uh, the, the, the nexus for it becoming a, uh, a thing, an annual event is uh, post-financial crisis kind of keeping an eye 
on on the on the largest banks. I, I feel like, and I know you. I don't. I don't want to interrupt you, but I feel like yeah. the folks inside the CNBC control room yesterday. It was like their Super Bowl. They had they had Biden addressing the UN. They had this the, the Jamie Dimon and crew up on Capitol Hill. They were they had the Fed lurking for interest rates. So I feel like it was sort of like the Super Bowl of days for the control room at CNBC, going from one to the other, but. Yeah, um, no, you're right. Uh, but, you know, kind of I just it's worth reiterating the fact that you had um, the banks up for a high profile hearing um, and it didn't generate the, the really the, the top headlines that came mm-hmm. out of yesterday's news cycle. I think that's a that's a that's a positive um, yeah. uh, for the banks. Um, but so, you know, it's it's worth noting, you know, even though these hearings are not as hostile as they used to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, Wall Street has to be careful. They have critics on both sides of the aisle now. Um, it used to be that Republicans being party of free enterprise and capitalism mostly defended the banks. Not, not entirely. I mean, they, they, were, they would criticize banks from time to time, especially on capital issues. Um, and their defense was not full-throated. Um, but the GOP generally could be counted on to defend any private sector, including the banking industry um, and the large banks. Um, the as we have talked about um, and I've written about in some notes, um, there's a realignment ongoing in American politics, including the Republican Party, and the, the party is becoming more populist. It's not as a it's not an ideologically conservative party like it used to be. Um, so Republicans are increasingly likely to attack big banks if they when they see something that republicans would view as woke capitalism um large firms using their their market power uh to influence social policy and as a matter of fact i, I um uh just as we were preparing to go on this morning i think uh, senator Toomey was making some uh some comments uh about about this um and he was basically warning banks just to kind of stay out of it. Don't, um, you know, I, I, Toomey is, Toomey, Senator Toomey, who is retiring from Congress, he's one of the more traditional Republicans. He's a Reagan type Republican. And um, he, I think the warning that he issued, maybe warning is, a, um, is too strong of a word. He wasn't threatening in, in, that, in that kind of context. But I think he was actually advising the banks that, um, when they engage in social policy, they're going to see pushback. Um, so um, yeah, they have they have to be careful. Um, it's a bigger issue actually at the state level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about Congress, but you know, there, there are individual states that have and probably will continue to punish banks by cutting yeah. them off from state businesses if these state officials thinks that think that banks are interfering in political matters. Um, yeah. If you're not lending to uh, yeah. a home state industry. Uh, if you're taking position on certain social issues and yep. overstepping your bounds uh, in, in in the view of lawmakers, um, then you know your your uh, you know your dealings with pension, state pension funds, your ability to uh, fin- uh, to engage in a, a mis- municipal finance offering. Yeah, that, that's, finance. yeah, that's all. That's all at risk. Now yeah. we're talking I mean, about it in Washington is headline risk, and that's important, but a lot of risk at the state level. Yeah, I mean, there are some states that actually are requiring banks to sign um, affirmations that they are not discriminating against certain sectors and that they will do business with certain sectors in order to compete for state business. Correct. 
No, that's that's not new, but that's only increasing. Well, you know what? But, you know, it's just you know, I, I think it's worthwhile just going back and and um, and reiterating. So that, that that's one part of the equation, but kind of on nuts and bolts banking regulation, capital levels, consumer protection, the stuff that real that the that the industry cares about most deeply. Um, these hearings are not as contentious as they used to be. No. So it, it's been it's been a pretty good couple of days for for the industry. I feel like there's always an, and I wasn't watching it that closely, so I don't know if this came up. But I feel like when you mentioned consumer issues, I feel like you always get the you always get the uh, commentary. Especially, it's been a long time since we were in an environment of rising interest rates. But I feel like you always get the commentary from some lawmakers that the banks are slower to um you know to give the consumers higher savings rates sure. when interest rates are going up than the other way around so i feel like that's always an issue of contention that the lawmakers no, no, come that's at that, and, and that's there now um yeah. but you know like whether it's a low interest rate environment a rising interest rate yeah. environment i mean there's always going to be a complaint from a couple of lawmakers um why aren't you paying more on yeah. on your deposit yeah. accounts uh and your cds um uh, but of course, you know, there are competitive factors involved. Markets do work. Um, uh, but, um, and those questions have come up again, but they're, it, it just, they don't have the edge that they've had in, in, in more recent hearings. I agree with that. Well, you know, we were talking about Congress, we were talking about some of the state issues. We've talked about this before, but maybe now it, that's a good time, or this is a good point in the conversation to talk about the midterms. Um, you know, Everyone has always said that people vote with their pocketbooks at the end of the day. We are definitely in a, in a strange economic environment. The stock market is down a lot. Um, inflation is still high. There are a lot of signs that it's stabilizing somewhat, but still very high. And uh, as we saw from Jay Powell yesterday, um, we are in an environment where interest rates will definitely be rising for the foreseeable future. So as we kind of think about that, where do, where do you sort of handicap things with the midterms at this point? So I thought it was a tough summer politically for Republicans. Um, uh, there were a couple of items over the summer months that were fueling a, what I viewed as a bit of a Democratic comeback, a resurgence. Um, the Dobbs decision on abortion, mm -hmm. uh, gas prices declined. Um, they're not, they were not as high as they were uh, earlier in the summer and spring months. Um, Democrats had some legislative victories in Washington, and that probably didn't move independent or Republican voters, but it made Democrats feel better about themselves. And that, that will help um, help their prospects for November and issues related to former President Trump um, that, you know, that put him back in the media focus more than usual. Um, it moved media attention away from President Biden. Um, so those are all positives that I think uh, for Democrats that that helped their prospects. Um, and it wasn't just polling that was showing Democratic momentum. Um, there were a couple of special elections during the summer. And that, those all signaled the move towards Democrats. Uh, they they won a special election in New York that uh, I think a lot of people thought they would lose, um, even though they lost a special election in Minnesota. The Republican candidate kind of underperformed expectations pretty badly. Um, he won, but but underperformed. So you take that all into consideration. It, it it looked like momentum in the Democratic direction. I think those items, kind of what I kind of laid out, the 
the Dobbs case, gas, legislative victories. Um, I think that's kind of played out. And momentum is probably shifting back towards the Republicans. Um, the August CPI report, which came out after Labor Day, that's bad news for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, I think President Biden's student loan forgiveness proposal um, is going to re-energize Republican voters who are generally opposed to it. Um, so you have that. Republican campaigns are ramping up their media efforts. Democrats spent a lot of money over the summer, um, but uh, Republicans are now engaging. Republicans tend to wait till, until uh, the fall when they think voters are engaged. Um, that, that could dent uh, Democratic gains. So I think Republicans are in a really strong position to win the House. Maybe they don't win as many seats as as people were suggesting a couple of months ago. You know, I I would see, you know, predictions of 30 to 40 seat gains, which I guess was always possible. But I thought it was a stretch because people forget Republicans won 13 seats in 2020 in the presidential election. That's very unusual. But it also caps the party's upside. Um, and on the Senate, I think the um, the race to control the Senate can still go either way. We're probably looking at like eight key races, four currently controlled by Democrats, four controlled by Republicans. Um, it could go either way, but I, I think Republican chances are slightly better than they had been a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but still, but still an underdog for the Senate. Just not as big. As you know, I, I'm. I, I, Neil, I think it's a. I think it's a coin flip. Really? Um, yeah, I'm kind of moving wow. back to the, you know, if we were, if, if we were having this conversation a couple of weeks ago, I'd say, yeah, there were slight underdogs. Democrats are probably in good shape at, at very least to hold serve, um, possibly to flip and gain a Republican seat. Now I'm not as sure. I think we're back to, um, you know, a coin flip of, of which party, um, controls the Senate and, uh, um, we'll see, how, you know, we, we still have, we haven't had debates in a lot of these key races. We'll see how those play out. Those are, I think those are going to be important. Yeah. And a lot could happen between now and November. Uh, absolutely. No, I, I feel mean, like the cycle gets shorter and shorter each election year. Right. I mean, now, you know, more and more states have moved to early voting. Um, right. So October surprises don't mean what they used to be. Um, um and depending on when debates are held, you may have a chunk of voters who have already cast their ballots. So the debate is irrelevant. Um, but you know, it's a fluid situation. Um, and so I, I, you know, yes, things can change. Um, but I, I kind of think that momentum is heading in the Republican direction. Well, it'll give us a lot to talk about because we have se- we have several podcast episodes to go before the uh, before the midterms. So. At least we'll have, we, we know we have something to talk about besides Absolutely. baseball. Besides baseball. Besides baseball. And listen, if if the the two home teams for us, even though you're technically in Washington, but the two home teams that we root for, if they're still around as we talk about, as we head into the final stretch of the midterms, that's, I'm good with that. I'm good with it. Because, you know, the World Series is pushed back even later this year because of the late start to the season. I think the World Series, if it went the full seven games, really butts up to Election Day or close Uh, to it. Yeah, uh, Election Day is November 8th, and I think the World Series ends the first week of November. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot for us to talk about, but that's it for now. We run out of time for this edition. Of course, be sure and subscribe to Potomac Perspective on your podcast platform of choice. As Brian knows, we're everywhere. Thank you, Brian, as always. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for listening. 
Yep. And we'll see everybody next time.